why, if the Pirates are serious about winning, as they say they are, is their payroll so low? Oh yeah, you knew I'd go there. I'd have to. <laughs> good morning, good Monday morning. From St. Louis, I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the newly reborn DK Sports Radio, which brings you this show, Daily Shot, every Monday through Friday, very early in the morning. And this one, you would think for baseball fans, would be better than most. The Pirates, of course, won for the first time yesterday here at Bush Stadium, 5-1, to one. terrific overall effort, uh, uplifting on so many levels, uh, not just the outcome, but Mitch Keller being the one who gets the start that turns the very early going of the season around. JT Brubaker coming in, making a really encouraging big league debut. Nick Birdie just blowing people away. Uh, I'm just mentioning the, the younger guys. I'm not even scratching the surface of all the things that went well in the game. It was a good and, I would argue, necessary win for the Pirates. But I know better than to think that that'll be enough uh, to placate anybody even for five minutes, at least the dominant majority of the people who follow the Pirates, whether closely or not. The Pirates are always about payroll. That's just the way the story is. Um, I get that. The Pirates were about payroll when payroll was at a franchise record $102 million. Five years ago, the payroll's a story now when it's roughly half that. Um, that's just the way it is. That that story isn't going to change. That storyline isn't going to change for the foreseeable future, even if and when payroll does go up, which it will. And that's actually what I wanted to talk to you about this morning. Because I, I see and hear payroll in virtually every counter that anybody has to whatever it is that the Pirates are doing. So when Guillermo Heredia, who's not a very good baseball player, gets all kinds of at-bats in this series, which he absolutely shouldn't have because he's not a very good baseball player, everyone swings it back to payroll this, payroll that. If only they'd gotten a better player and spent some money, they would have had a better version of whatever Guillermo Heredia is supposed to be to this team. And again, I get that. I get all of the frustration that goes with following the Pirates. Um, they're an exasperating bunch. They've done some incredibly stupid things over the years. And yes, they have an owner who is not exactly open with the wallet. He's never been that way. His family's never been that way. He'll never be that way. But there's more to this payroll thing than what most people, the bulk of people, I would venture to say, seem to know. And that's this. When Travis Williams was brought on as president, he came from the New York Islanders, came from a really a parallel job. The Islanders are in a pretty good spot uh, in the NHL. They're, in addition to having a pretty decent team, they're not great, but they're not bad. They did sweep the Penguins out of the first round last year. They're also building a brand new arena on the ground of Belmont Stakes, the the Triple Crown horse race out on Long Island. So they, they've got all kinds of great things going on. And Travis Williams was a, a big player 
in that arena picture, he didn't have to leave that job. He and I have talked about this at length, and I knew him from his time at the Penguins. Really good guy, honest guy. The Penguins swear by him, if that means something more to you than the Pirates swearing by him. They were really unhappy to lose him to the Islanders. And then in turn, the Islanders were really unhappy to lose him to the Pirates. He didn't come to the Pirates to be part of some scam. I think that might have sunk in with the public for about 24 hours at the time of the announcement of Williams' hiring. And then after his excellent interviews that he did at the time with Nutting sitting by his side, uh, our site was invited for one of those sessions. Uh, Alex Stumpf, our beat writer, and I were both in there. And they made quite the impact. They answered everything. And I think you know me well enough to know that I didn't exactly hold back in the questioning. Travis Williams didn't come here to be part of some scam of shipping money up to Seven Springs or whatever this other stuff is that you hear on radio. He just didn't. It doesn't work like that. Ben Charrington came here from the Toronto Blue Jays, as did Steve Sanders, his assistant. Now, Ben had been a GM, of course, in baseball, and a successful one, highly successful one in Boston. But you could still describe his move from Toronto to Pittsburgh as an upward one. He was in more of a front office space there than he was uh, in an active role like GM. But when these interviews were conducted, meaning Charrington, Sanders, and so forth, a lot of the questions were being asked in the other direction. How serious are you? How is this going to work? What's the money arrangement here? Are we ever going to spend? I'm not guessing at these things because they've been told to me. They've been told to me by people who aren't even Charrington or Sanders. They wanted to find out whether or not they could win. They knew and understood, all of them, that it was going to be harder to win in Pittsburgh than it would be somewhere else because Major League Baseball has an obscenely imbalanced and unfair economic system. That's not Bob Nutting's fault. That's Major League Baseball's fault. That's the fault of all 30 owners for not having united and getting a salary cap, which hopefully they'll take care of next year. These guys were serious, successful businessmen, baseball men. However it is that you want to describe them, they were winners everywhere they've been. They've worked for owners that you respect. You respect Mario Lemieux and Ron Burkle as sports owners. You respect, I would presume, that the Red Sox were world champions. These guys didn't come here from nowhere. They didn't come from Bob Nutting's stooge land. So why is it that the payroll is so low right when they get here? How did that happen? Here's what I know and can share with you with confidence. These guys understand that the time to spend is when you've got a roster that's ready to go for it. 
plain and simple. There isn't a person on the planet, much less someone who knows baseball, who would look at this roster. And by that, I mean the roster, the 40-man roster, back to last winter when Charrington was first hired and looked at it in December. And he, he, You're not going to look at that and say, this is it, man. We're going for it. Here we go. Hey, Bob, how about we take this payroll up to 110? Let's do it right now. We're going to be like the Reds, and we're just going to spend out of nowhere. This is a smart guy. Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he instead challenge Travis Williams and ultimately Bob Nutting and say, I'm going to build this up. I'm going to get you some real talent in this system. It's not going to be quick. It never is in baseball. But I'm going to get you real talent. And when that talent starts accumulating in Pittsburgh, I expect to see a commitment from you not only to augment that talent at the time, because that happened with, uh, with, with Neil Huntington, you'll recall, um, and, and actually, I don't think he got enough credit for this, and neither did Bob Nutting, for that matter. The Pirates added at the deadline those years constantly, including in a lot of cases, just adding salary. Remember when Derek Lee came? I mean, Justin Morneau, this was, these were just salary dumps by the other teams. The Pirates took on money to get these guys. They did this. What they didn't do, and I kept saying this at the time and nobody was taking me seriously, it felt like, is they didn't bring up anybody from their minor leagues because they, they, they couldn't draft or develop. So they had no one worth keeping. So they instead put money, longer-term money commitments, into Andrew McCutcheon, which was a good one. Starling Marte got a long-term deal cut into his free agency years. Gregory Polanco got a long-term deal into his free agency years that's still going, and he's still in Pittsburgh for the most part, other than Garrett Cole, who's a Scott Boris client and was never going to stay here because Scott Boris clients always go to free agency everywhere. See the Houston Astros as an example for Cole. They have kept their guys. That narrative is obscenely incorrect. It just is. This isn't how they've operated. That hasn't been their issue. The one area where you can most nail nutting in the Pirates as it relates to payroll, and heaven knows I've done it, is post-2015. That team needed to have a payroll infusion. They had just won 98 games. They're coming off three really good years. They still had a lot of their better talent there. They needed to replace a couple of pitchers they knew they were going to lose, meaning A.J. Burnett and Jay Happ. They needed to find a way to replace those guys in a bullpen. They didn't, and it was shameful. And ultimately, that reflects poorly on Nutting. I've talked to him about this. He's talked to me about this. He's recognized this. Will he correct it? I have no way of knowing that. Only he can know that. He'd have to prove that. So if you're going to be cynical about anything at all related to Nutting, let it be about that. Because he had that chance right then and didn't take it. And yes, that's legitimate room for doubting whether or not he'll do it again. But I'm going to say this one more time. Travis Williams, Ben Charrington, Steve Sanders, these guys who came here 
I'll throw Derek Shelton into that too, because there's no way it didn't come up with him as well. They all know what this plan is. There's no way that this plan doesn't involve having the payroll drop like a rock the way it did this year so that that money can be spent later once they determine what it is that they have and what's worth investing in, as opposed to, gee whiz, Guillermo Heredia sure stinks. We should have gotten another $5 million outfielder to make sure that we didn't have a lousy player like Guillermo Heredia out there. That stuff doesn't matter. That's not the stuff that wins you divisions. It's not the stuff that wins you championships. It's not the stuff that's won uh, the Kansas City Royals in this era, in this terribly lopsided, imbalanced, unfair economic era, a world championship the way they did just a handful of years ago. It's not the stuff that has the Tampa Bay Rays constantly competitive. They're just smarter than teams, and when it comes time to spend, they've done it. Nutting has to keep his word. Not to me, not to you. He has to keep it to these guys, and that's the part of this that I trust. That's the part of the reason that I find most compelling that this team will spend when the time comes and that the current payroll really just doesn't matter. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to St. Louis. I'll be flying back later today, not in time uh, to get back to Pittsburgh for the opener. Alex Stump will be over there covering that for DK Pittsburgh Sports. I'll be back at the ballpark tomorrow night, night after that, for the rest of the series with the Brewers. Looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to all of it. I looked forward to coming out here. I looked forward to everything about it, up to and including the crazy overreaction to the first two games. They're not going to win five games all year long and whatever else. I've been saying all along that the Pirates have talent. They do have talent. They don't have a ton of it, but they do have players who are very talented in some cases. This segment of Daily Shot is always brought to you by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. During normal times, one in seven people in southwestern Pennsylvania are food insecure, including one in five children. Not knowing where your next meal is coming from can be a scary thought. And now, during the pandemic, the need for food is that much greater. If you are in need of food assistance, or if you'd like to support the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank's mission of feeding people in need, eliminating hunger in our region, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Spell those first three words out, pittsburghfoodbank.org. One dollar can provide enough food for up to five meals. Good people over there at the food bank. So happy to be partnered with them. The Pirates have 
a challenge ahead of them. There's no question. They're going to be overmatched in most games, especially when it comes down to depth. We saw that with the series here. Uh, the moment you get your Guillermo Heredias uh, involved, things are going to go bad. Boy, I sure hope Guillermo Heredia is not a listener of this show. <laughs> He's getting a rough ride over both segments now. There's talent, though. And I've been trying to make that point for months now, usually to laughter or uh, something, something, nutting, something, something, payroll. But when you see a game like yesterday and you take certain parts of it and you can kind of dismiss them, meaning from the standpoint of like sheer talent or potential, because when you're talking about Guys that are a little bit older, like Colin Moran, Jose Osuna, Michael Feliz, these guys all had really, really good games. They don't matter all that much. And I love Jose, you know that. They, they just don't matter all that much in the bigger picture. The ones who do matter, especially because they're pitchers from this game, were Mitch Keller, JT Brubaker, Nick Birdie. The Pirates have had some pretty good individual pitching performances already in this extremely young season. I mean, nobody's buried Clay Holmes like I have, I don't think, over the past year. He looked really good the other night. And I've heard from people inside the organization who I trust, one of whom might or might not be the first baseman, that there are really high expectations for Holmes this year internally. They don't see him as some failed project or anything. They don't see him as an iffy thing. They see dazzling stuff, and they're not about to lose him the way they've given up on other guys who've had great stuff and have done really well elsewhere once somebody else has figured them out. And that's the strange aspect, I think, of this 2020 season for the for the local baseball team because – you're going to see guys going on that mound or walking up to that plate who really honestly shouldn't be in the big leagues. I mean, the Pirates 20 through 30 on this roster is, yeah, you've seen it. But I've also said all along that I really like their top 14 or 15. I really do. I think there's not just talent, but I also think that there's potential, there's ceiling with a lot of these guys. I mentioned the three pitchers from this game already, mentioned Holmes. But when you're looking around the rest of the diamond, look, Brian Reynolds is 0 for 10 with, with two walks. If anybody's walking into any hidden vigorish situation <laughs> with a higher chin than Reynolds will tonight at PNC Park, I'd be stunned. Uh, for those of you who don't go anywhere near that far back, Hidden Vigorish was a a favorite saying of Bob Prince, the gunner, the, the Pirates, the, the, the greatest announcer in their history. And it meant that you were just due some really good fortune. Reynolds isn't going to stay O for whatever. Reynolds is going to end up hitting pretty much what he did last season, which means he's only due for a really big role here. 
Uh, Kevin Newman you could put in that same bracket. Adam Frazier, I never feel quite as certain about him. But I think he can get the job done, too. We've seen some really good signs out of Josh Bell. He just hasn't put one over a wall yet. But he's having good at-bats. He's drawing walks. He's waiting out his pitches. And he's making decent enough contact. Colin Moran's had the best at-bats of anybody on the team. I'm not just saying that because of the home run here yesterday. I'm saying it because he's stayed back on the ball, and he's driving it. Osuna is, too, but Moran has gotten more at-bats, so it's been more visible. Jacob Stallings has had a couple of big hits, big double that ended up resulting in an insurance run here yesterday. Uh, I mean, he hit 266 last year. Everybody talked about him like he is still do. They still talk about him as if he's nobody. He had a superb defensive game yesterday. If you were paying attention or counting, and I wish I would have been counting, I wish I had done this, the number of pitches that went in the dirt, not one of them. Not just they didn't get past him, they didn't even get away from him. Pitchers love that. They love knowing that they can throw the ball down there and their catcher is reliable, especially with men on base. Yeah, and there's some there's some spots out there that you just go, whatever. I mean, I have no interest in watching Gerard Dyson play baseball. I mean, he can catch the ball, he can catch everything. That's great, but this team can't afford somebody batting 200 in any spot in the order, never mind seven the way he was yesterday. So there's parts of it that are going to be turnoffs. There's parts of it where you're going to say, you know, again, to swing back to the stuff from the first segment, man, I wish there was somebody better. I wish there was somebody that they paid more money to get this guy or that guy. That stuff doesn't matter nearly as much as watching these younger guys develop and show their talent. And when I say talent, to clarify, I'm referring to things that you can do that other people can't. When I see JT Brubaker getting people out, I'm not bored by it because, you know, whatever, he just located his pitches like, I don't know, Montana Durapau or something and just happened to have a good inning and showed some moxie. That's not what interests me. What interested me about Brubaker's outing he was hitting 97. He was putting his fastballs where he wanted. He was coming in on lefties. He threw five different pitches. And I understand he's a starter by pedigree. So he's going to have more of an arsenal than the common reliever. But he comes in in basically a piggyback role. Big league debut. Walks out onto the hill inheriting a lead. Not a big lead. Three to one at the time when he came in. And he threw all those pitches. You know why? Because he has talent because he's able to throw really, really good pitches. And then Nick Birdie comes in and makes all the rest of it seem like nothing by comparison. He's throwing 99-mile-an-hour bullets and then offsetting them with sliders. He was altering the speeds on the off-speed stuff. Uh, The slider was listed as being anywhere from 83 to 90. The first pitch he threw to Paul Goldschmidt when Goldschmidt came up was an 83-mile-an-hour slider that looked like it fell from the gateway arch. And, you know, Goldschmidt, I I was watching Goldschmidt Goldschmidt over in the on-deck circle trying to time Birdie's fastball whenever he was warming up. And the fastballs I saw on the clock were only at around 95, 96. I say only as if that's nothing, right? And Goldschmidt gets in there. You know he's he's just waiting 
for that heat. And actually, Goldschmidt's a great fastball hitter. I'm sure he wasn't fearing it. And Birdie comes and just drops this hook in there. Beautiful pitch. Might as, might as well have busted his knees. Nothing but off-speed pitches for the entire bat, I should add, to Goldschmidt. And then he started bringing heat against Paul DeYoung and Matt Carpenter. Got the inning over with in 11 pitches. 11 pitches through Goldschmidt, DeYoung, and Carpenter. That's really, really impressive. It's his 16th ever big league appearance. These guys have talent. The Pirates can keep them in baseball's system for six years. A lot of people don't realize that, too. You have to stay with one team for six years. Six full years before you can go to free agency in baseball. As soon as somebody does well, even if it's someone just up from the minors, like Reynolds and Newman last year, oh, they're going to lose him to the Yankees, going to give him away to the Yankees. No, the Yankees can't touch him for six years. Six years. Josh Bell's here now. He's in his fifth year. I mean, this is... So much of this is just narrative-driven. You can hear the exasperation in my voice as I talk about it, and I'm kind of embarrassed that I'm even bringing it up on a, on a day like this when everything should be all positive about the Pirates, but I figure it's at least a chance that maybe someone will hear it, you know? There's a difference. Anyway, I'm coming home. I'm looking forward to it. And for tomorrow's show, we're going to be talking football.